Hey everybody, this is Paul Thorne, and you're listening to Chords, Vines, and Dines. Hi, this is Robert Schuler with Melissa's Produce, and you're listening in on Chords, Vines, and Dines. Why does true love always have to end? It makes me a bit reluctant to begin. Baby, maybe goodbye should come first. Maybe we should do this in reverse. What a voice. Isn't she incredible? That's our friend Georgette Jones. I just love her as a person and as a singer-songwriter. She's incredible. Isn't it fun that uh, we did become friends? We're Facebook friends now and we stay in touch. We email sometimes and send us text uh, messages. Yes. And I wish I didn't have to say... She's the daughter of George Jones and Tammy Wynette. She should, she has enough talent that uh, her name should stand on its own, but it's still a challenge to get people to know who she is. It is, and but she is absolutely wonderful. So, welcome. Hi, Tom. Hi, <laughs> Kat. On this <laughs> rainy, stormy, Hillary-ridden day. That's right. We're on the uh, tail end of Hurricane Hillary. No political jokes allowed. No, no <laughs> political jokes, but... I'm enjoying change of weather. I mean, we've been in the hundreds. I mean, it's humid here, but still. It's been miserable. So this way we'll get a little rain. We'll cool off for a couple of days. And uh, I'm excited about today's show. But what else is new? We've got Sean Roberts. The debut episode of Inside the Spotlight with our friend Sean Roberts. I'm excited. On the third Sunday of each month, we're going to have our friend Sean Roberts do a 10-minute or so segment. He'll talk about equipment and uh, music, and he's really on the inside. He is inside the spotlight. He is, and he's so good at everything he does. I'm just so thrilled. I came across something in my email that I get every Saturday, and it's called, like, Unexplained Mysteries, and, you know, some of it's pretty cool. they got different topics. But this one I thought was kind of interesting on the common food myths. Okay, hit me. Okay, Uh, one is... Chewing gum. Okay. What about it? Well, you know, you've always been told, I don't know if you were told when you were a child, that chewing gum um, uh, could last in your stomach forever. Or, I, yeah, I, 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 did, know, I you, remember hearing that, that you don't swallow your gum. Right. And and so that was one of the things. And that, that's a myth, of course. Right. No, it will eventually Pass well, yeah, system. it just—it's yeah. only—it doesn't break down like no, food. No, but it will leave but your body. But it will pass like in the next day or two. Right. It doesn't stay in there for that long. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, the other thing is about eating turkey. Okay. That'll cause the tryptophan. Or, the tryptophan. Yeah. Uh, of course, it does have that in there, but that's not going to cause you to be drowsy after your Thanksgiving dinner. More likely what's causing you to be drowsy are all the carbohydrates you <laughs> ate during your dinner, but there not you the go. turkey. That makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, oh, here's another one. Fruit Loops are all different flavors. No, they're not. 
No, they're all one flavor, just different colors. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah, what a surprise. Yeah, I wonder if tricks are the same way. Tricks are for kids. Um, how about eating raw cookie dough as a severe health hazard? Was that true or false? That's false. Okay. It, it can be true to some people, but for the most part, it's false. Okay. Good to I know. always ate raw cookie dough as a yeah. kid. Every time my mom made cookies, I ate the cookie. I, I still do. I like cookie dough ice cream. Yes. Um, uh, myth number five, eating celery actually burns calories. False. That's false. <laughs> um, I mean, it's full of vitamins and everything, but yeah. it does. And fiber. The, yeah. And uh, myth, you have to wash chicken before you cook it. Not true. Not true. <laughs> yeah, they say, you know, the... The saying had been, wash your chicken, you get rid of all the bacteria and stuff. Not true. Actually, by washing it, it could cause more bacteria. Correct. I've heard that, too. Um, and coffee stunts children's growth. Never heard that one. Oh, I have. I don't believe that, it. You know, caffeine and, mm. you know, coffee like that. Uh, but that's that's also false. Uh, a lot of these things, you know, they're saying, you know, they're scientific. Eating carrots improves your eyesight. Not true. Not true. <laughs> Sci- you know, it, it's it's full of vitamin A, but uh, that's about it. I mean, and that does help you with your eyes, but eating carrots is really not. I mean, there's other things besides carrots you could eat. It will turn you orange if you eat enough. Oh, gosh. Maybe. I, I just made that carrot soup. That's right. It was delicious. Yeah, I still have some. It is so good. And you were inspired by our visit to Spagatini, which mm-hmm. was fabulous. And we're hoping to get their uh, owners on the show. We've invited them. We need to reach out again. Yes. But, uh, yeah, that carrot soup was really good. It really was, was pretty easy to make. Yeah, based on the French laundry. And you can have, yeah. you could serve it warm as yeah, well. I like it cold. But in this heat, the cold was really good. So that leads us into our official produce sponsor, Melissa's Produce, and that's how we wound up at Spagatini. So mm-hmm. our, uh, our deep thanks to Robert Schuler and the crew at Melissa's Produce, melissas.com, and it's your turn to choose a recipe. Oh, I know, I know. i got to work on that. I just haven't really felt like doing a whole lot of cooking with <laughs> this heat, but yeah, I'll do that. Oh, and I got that new uh, cookbook. From Amy Riolo. Yes. Yeah, she's, uh, she's going to be on our show. I've it's been in touch with her. It's another Mediterranean cookbook. Yep. Uh, that also came as part of Melissa's, and we're doing an online event on August 25th, I believe. Good for you. Have fun. I won't be able to make that one. But. Yeah. Well, you people that have to work away from That's home. Right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, there's some really good recipes. I, I think I sent you some pictures of some yesterday you did. as I was going through You it. did. Yeah, she's wonderful. I've met her at Melissa's, and, and I've been in touch with her. She's going to be on our show. I think she's in Italy right now. Yeah, I have her first, we both have her first cookbook, the right. Mediterranean cookbook. And I got some good recipes out of that. So this one, it's like easy Mediterranean recipes. Gotta love the easy part. Well, especially with our schedules around <laughs> here. So should we get into our debut episode, our premiere of Inside the Spotlight? Yeah, I just want to say something about Sean. He, he and I met many years ago when he was a guest on the original Chords and Vines. And he's out in Orange County, a wonderful singer-songwriter, even more wonderful friendship that we've developed over the years. He is a great guy, and he really knows his stuff. And he has helped me immensely getting this show going and everything else. So we're excited to have him on at least once a month, third Sunday of each month. So, so should we, we get into it? Inside the Spotlight.
Welcome to Inside the Spotlight. I'm Sean Roberts, reporting on reviews on gear and other items for musicians, as well as music news, music trends, and advice to those wanting to get inside the music industry. Well, let's go ahead and begin with my first review. Here we go. So recently, I wanted to upgrade the pickups on one of my Stratocasters. I was actually looking for a particular tone, and I decided I wanted to go ahead and purchase the Fender Texas Special Pickups. While on eBay, I came across a company called Tone Hatch Pickups. I began to read all the reviews there on eBay itself, and then decided to go ahead and jump on their website and check them out even more, and do a little bit more research as well on the company. To my surprise, they did not have any negative feedback at all whatsoever. So I contacted the owner, and thinking it might be only a couple of days for him to get back to me, he actually got back to me within about 10 minutes after sending my email to him. Adam answered my questions that I had and suggested that I purchase his Rude Blues pickups, which were very similar to that of the Texas Specials. I then ordered the pickups, it took about two weeks for them to get here because these are hand-wound pickups. And once they arrived, I was very surprised by the packaging. It came in a very nice box. Each pickup was individually wrapped and also put in its own little silky bag. And once I installed them, I checked them out and I was blown away by what I heard. I went over to a friend's house to go ahead and compare it because I knew he had Texas Specials in his Stratocaster and there was no comparison. It blew the Fender version out of the water. These were much cleaner, warmer, and not only that, less noise. So for all you guitar aficionados out there who are looking to maybe upgrade or change your pickups, instead of buying a boutique type, which can be very, very expensive, I suggest you go to ToneHatch.com. That is T-O-N-E-H-A-T-C-H.com and check out these pickups. Adam is amazing. He has about 14 years of winding experience and he tries to create the pickups that will help match the tone that we as guitarists hear in our head. He does use the best materials with the goal to make the set of pickups that will last a lifetime. Well, Adam, I can definitely tell you these will last a lifetime. Now, the thing is, is what's nice is he also has a 30-day return exchange program. So if you're unsatisfied, don't worry. Just contact him, return him and you'll get your money back as easy as that or try a different pickup. He's even willing to do that for you as well. So where are these pickups made? Are they overseas? And uh, what's going on with them? Well, they're actually made here in the good old US of A. That's right, you heard me correctly, folks. Adam's shop is actually here in Norfolk, Nebraska. Now you also may ask me, Sean, well, how much do these pickups cost? I can tell you that these pickups are extremely reasonable. The Rude Blues pickups that I got from Adam only cost me $29 a piece. Yep, you heard it right. American wound and American made pickups for $29 a piece. No boutique company out there I've seen who makes boutique type of pickups has ever been that low in a price. These things, again, are amazing. Now, keep in mind, too, he not only makes pickups for Stratocasters, but he also does them for Telecasters, Jazzmasters, Jags, Mustangs, and also has HSS sets specifically designed for certain tonalities. If you're not known what HSS stands for, it stands for Humbucker, Single Coil, Single Coil. So these are specific sets for guitars that will carry those type of pickups in there. All right, so there is my review for Tone Hatch Pickups. And again, if you want more information, please go to ToneHatch.com. 
and get more information and contact Adam. All right. Well, on to other items here. So as some of you guys might know, uh, Elvis's cherry red Hangstrom Viking 2 is now might be valued as the world's most expensive guitar. Well, of course, in 1968, a red cherry guitar helped save Elvis's career, and it now may be the world's most valuable musical instrument. Yep. After 46 years after his untimely death, Elvis remained a musical phenomenon, of course. In the past year alone, we had Elvis's biopics, which has been critically and commercially a smash hit. Presley's songs were streamed over a billion times on Spotify. Forbes reported that he earned $110 million from all income sources. Billboard estimates that the Elvis Presley estate is worth a cool $1 billion. Holy cow. Now, of course, if you own a piece of Elvis memorabilia, you own a very valuable piece of history. And, of course, there's no more than the so-called guitar that he played on his best ever performance, which is the 1968 comeback special. Now, this guitar is also described as his, as his good luck charm. This iconic instrument has just been officially valued at $5 million. Now, Elvis's musicianship makes that a comeback show so well and as recognizable as the infamous leather jumpsuit that he wore along with that red cherry Hangstrom guitar. Now, the cool thing about this is that Elvis also used the same, the same guitar to record his acclaimed album, Elvis in Memphis. It was Elvis's most critically acclaimed album ever and the last studio album that Elvis did before he passed away. Elvis really considered this his good luck charm because he scored huge hits, of course, with In the Ghetto and Suspicious Minds, which were on that album. And, of course, his uh, legendary Vegas residency would follow and, of course, no wonder if it's called it his gun luck charm. So $5 million. Now, that's just to start it off with. The bids are probably going to go up from there, which now means it's going to overtake the $6.1 million paid for Kurt Cobain's MTV Unplugged Acoustic. So there you go. You want a piece of history? You're going to need a little bit of cash or whatever to get Elvis's guitar. Now, of course, everybody's been talking about the fires in Maui, of course, and of course, we, our hearts go out to everybody there. Now, the thing is, though, is that Mick Fleetwood, who is the drummer for, of course, Fleetwood Mac and co-founder of that band, has been living in the Hawaiian Islands for the last 25 years. Well, he feels very lucky that he didn't lose his home or any loved ones in the Maui wildfires. But the thing is, though, he did lose his restaurant, Fleetwood's, on Front Street in last week during the whole blaze when it wiped out the town there, which has now claimed, I believe, over 100 lives. Now, the British musician said on Sunday that he feels very lucky that he's not been displaced like thousands of others on Maui residents, but the 76-year-old was here in Los Angeles visiting family when the wildfires broke out and he flew back immediately, bringing relief supplies with him. He has yet to visit the ruins of his restaurant, though, uh, which was about to celebrate his 11th anniversary this week in the historical coastal town of Lahaina. Now, for those of you going back to school, Taylor Swift is now the subject of a new university course. That's right. The Arizona State University has announced a course on the social psychology of Taylor Swift. PhD student Alexandria Warmly will be teaching the course titled Psychology of Taylor Swift, Advanced Topics of Social Psychology at ASU for a semester this coming fall. Now, the course is basically using Taylor Swift as a semester-long example of different phenomena 
gossip, relationships, revenge. Now, the class is not a semester on how much we like or dislike her, but we want to be able to learn about the psychology itself. The course will discuss what psychologists can learn by connecting them, lover singers, different album eras. Using Swift's 2017 album, Reputation, as an example, Warmly said Taylor's sixth album, Reputation, is her comeback after disappearing from the spotlight due to conflicts with Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. I think we all remember those. Now, she enacts her revenge on them and the broader media landscape by dropping an incredibly successful album along with a stadium tour. Now, of course, since the beginning of the year, we have lost some great, great legends and people in the music industry. Everybody from Tina Turner, uh, Elvis's daughter, Lisa Marie. Well, recently, Clarence Avon has passed away. That's right, the music executive uh, passed away at the age of 92. Now, if you're not too sure who Clarence Avon is, well, I suggest you look up the Black Godfather. That's what he was known as. And he died here in his home in Los Angeles last week. And the North Carolina native began his career as a New York-based manager. He later negotiated the sale of Stax Records in the 1960s and notably discovered and signed now-iconic Ain't No Sunshine hitmaker Bill Withers. The music executive founded KAGB-FM, which is called Avant-Garde Broadcasting, one of the earliest black-owned radio stations, not just in the U.S., but here in Los Angeles. The businessman also launched two record companies, which both have managed a number of acclaimed musicians. He was also appointed chairman of the board of Motown Records in the 90s and also inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2021. Plus, he was honored by the Recording Academy with the prestigious Grammy Salute to Industry Icons Award in 2019. Now, if you want to learn more about Clarence Avon, I definitely suggest that you check out his 2019 Netflix documentary simply called The Black Godfather. Unfortunately, also, Jerry Moss of AM Records co-founder and Rock and Roll Hall of Famer also has passed away at the age of 88. Yep, Jerry Moss, the M in AM, was a music industry giant who co-founded the label with Herb Albert, the A of AM, and rose, of course, from Los Angeles Garage to the heights of success with hits by Halbert himself, as well as the police and the carpenters, and of course, a number of other performers. Now, Moss was inducted uh, with Albert into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2006. Uh, he died this past Wednesday at his home here in Bel Air, California, according to a statement released by his family. For more than 25 years, Albert and Moss presided over the industry's most successful independent labels, releasing blockbuster albums such as Herb Albert's uh, Whipped Cream and Other Delights, Carol King's Tapestry, and Peter Frampton's Frampton Comes Alive. They were home to The Carpenters, Cat Stevens, Janet Jackson, and Soundgarden, Joe Cocker and Susanna Vega, as well as the Go-Go's and even Cheryl Crow. And there you go, guys. Once again, I am Sean Roberts for Inside the Spotlight here on Chords and Vines and Dines. But you can also hear me on my podcast, Your Weekly Dose, which will be turning to the airways live every Saturday starting September 9th at 10 a.m. by going to yourweeklydose.com. Thanks for listening. We take care. And back to you, Cat and Tom. Sean does such a good job, and uh, how lucky are we, how blessed are we to have our friend Sean Roberts and his Inside the Spotlight segment uh, as a monthly uh, feature. And I'm excited that his own radio show, Your Weekly, Weekly Dose. Dose, yes, it's coming back, so that's that's very exciting. Congratulations, Sean. I'm so happy for you getting your show back, and thank you so much for being part of ours, and we look forward to hearing from you again next month on the third 
Sunday. You never know what he's going to have up his sleeve. It'll be interesting. We know that much. And also working on getting a few other on a first Sunday with... Uh, Robert Rankin-Walker. Robert Rankin-Walker, I believe. And also maybe uh, one Steve. of local chefs. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of local chefs, we just did the... Uh, SoCal Chefs opened up Peltzer on Wasn't Monday. that great? That was so much fun. And Sassy Mama's was was there with Chef Steve Beers at New Life Culinary. And they came in third with their duck crostini. Oh, it was so good with your orange marmalade. With my orange your marmalade. Sassy orange marmalade. Yes. So I'm very excited about that. It and was a fun event. Congratulations to Savage Chef, which won the uh, Pinnacle Award. Our friend Dylan Soro, his, uh, his chef partner Mario. Mm-hmm. And the people's choice was uh, Nana's tamales. Yes. Every, all the food was good. That it was, was fabulous. It was hard to, to decide. It's always hard. Speaking of food, is it time for the game of? Yes, game of. All right. Your category, Ms. Mama Cat, is regional dishes. Oh, gosh, yes. What ingredient gives Southern Red Eye Gravy its kick? Is it A, crushed red pepper, B, coffee, C, cocoa powder, or D, tomato salsa? Oh, my gosh. Southern red eye gravy. What gives it its kick? What was the uh, choices again? Crushed red pepper, coffee, cocoa powder, or tomato salsa? I'll go with coffee. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> so red eye gravy has coffee in it. Yeah, I didn't really know that. But I kind of had an idea. Okay. This is your turn. Cooking tools and techniques. Alrighty. It's Friday night, your first day of work at a cocktail bar. Okay. Your boss tells you to give that fizz a dry shake. What does she mean? Okay. A, mixing a cocktail with half the usual amount of sweetener. B, shaking ingredients without ice. C, serving a cocktail up in a stem glass. Or D, making a cocktail with little to no alcohol. B, no ice. That's correct. Yay! Ingredients is your category. Okay. This cousin of spaghetti has a thicker diameter and a hollow center. It's a cousin of spaghetti. Is it A, taglioni, B, spaghettoni, C, bucatini, or D, stringazzi? Gosh, I thought I knew the answer, but that <laughs> I have never heard of any of those. Um... Oh, gosh. Taglioni, spaghettoni, bucatini, or string... I'll go with B. It's bucatini. It's just like spaghetti. It's a little thicker, but it's got a hollow center. Oh, okay. All right. You've got one left for me, correct? Yes. This one is people and pop Pop culture. culture. Okay. (laughs) Apparently, milk isn't white on the planet. Tatooine. 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 Thank you. What color is Luke Skywalker's beverage of choice? A, green, B, red, C, purple, or D, blue? Purple. Eh. <laughs> it's blue. Okay. Star uh, Star Wars, that's where, where that's all from. Yeah. I would not have remembered that. Okay. All right. Is it time to uh, revisit our friend Georgette Jones? Yes. Georgette, is, again, she's such a wonderful person. And I know she's been busy this week. She's been doing a lot of uh, performing. So here we go again. Let's play her. 
So I can't tell you how excited I am to uh, be talking with Georgette Jones. Uh, if you don't know Georgette's name, you may have heard of her mom and dad, George Jones and Tammy Wynette. Welcome, Georgette. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Well, it's our pleasure indeed. And uh, we got in touch because I got a press release about something called Apple Sin Whiskey. What can you tell me about Apple Sin Whiskey? Yes, I'm actually really very proud of it. Um, to be honest, um, I was not a big whiskey fan. Um, I just didn't really like the flavor of it. My husband absolutely hated the flavor of it. But we got a phone call from my partner. His name is Spencer Ballantyne, and he's from Kentucky. And he gave me a call because he had done some work with some other people that I know. And he just wanted to know if we could take a meeting and just let him kind of give me his spiel about what he thought we should do. And we did because, you know, he seemed like a really nice guy. He brought his whole family. And we had a great dinner. And in that process, he basically said that he had a recipe that was 103 years old from his great-grandfather. And it was for a whiskey recipe that he wanted to tweak and make like an apple cinnamon variety of that. And he thought it would be cool to pair with someone like me um, so that we could work together um, to try to launch it, you know, for marketing purposes. So I thought, well, I'm not a really big whiskey fan, so I'm not sure that I'd want to do that. And he's like, well, how about if we make it and then you taste it and you like it, we'll go forward. If not, no problem, no harm done, and we'll just part ways. And I said, well, that's fair enough. So uh, he actually, his great-grandfather, like I said, he took this recipe and added very natural apple cinnamon flavors. It's a bit more apple and a little bit of cinnamon, but it's a high 72-proof um drink that actually doesn't taste too sweet. I think that was another one of my things. I didn't want to go flavored whiskey and it'd be so sweet. You know, I just, I'm not a big sweet fan either for when it comes to alcohol. But um, he made it and we tasted it. And even my husband, who absolutely hates whiskey, thought it was delicious. So um, we decided to move forward and it's been really exciting. All the progress we've made in the last couple of years, it kind of started during the pandemic and now we have distribution for the state of Kentucky. We're just getting into all the stores in the western part of Kentucky moving around. Our um, distillery is Silent Brigade Distillery out of Paducah, Kentucky. And um, you know, my partner Spencer also has LBL Moonshine and they have other things that they sell. But we're just really happy. We've, we've been very lucky. We won three gold medals for the International Sip Awards for 21 and 22 and became most innovative and best flavored whiskey. So we're, we're really very proud of the progress we've made um, so far. Congratulations. I look forward to tasting it. And I went to uh, uh, the website and it said out of stock. Well, and if you do me a favor, if you after this, if you give me your address, um, I'll make sure that we get you a bottle. As long as you're not in the state of Tennessee or Delaware, we can ship it anywhere else. I'm so in California, we'll and we would love that. And my partner, Kat, has a, a company called Sassy Mamas, and she makes boutique mustards. And uh, oh, wow. I'll bet she could come up with something amazing with apple sin. I would love oh, to I would try love that. that. So, oh, yeah, let job. me... Let, let me know for sure, because we actually are going to launch a contest. We haven't officially done it yet, but we are going to launch a contest um, where we have people send in recipes and let us try them and taste them and see who can win um, for like a recipe using the apple cinnamon whiskey, because um, we have... People who have told us that they've marinated ribs in it, that they pour a little shot over some vanilla ice cream, or they, you know, there's lots of varieties of different things people have told us about. So uh, I would love to, you know, taste it with anything you want to pair it with. That'd be awesome. That, well, you got a deal. We will uh, send you a bottle, at least a bottle or two. Thank you. That'd be great. Now, your dad played uh, part of the inspiration for the Apple Sin Whiskey, didn't he? Well, I mean, I know my, my dad actually, you know, I wouldn't, I didn't want to put his name or his, um, 
you know, likeness or anything on there just because, you know, my dad obviously had issues with alcohol in the past, you know, so I didn't want to do anything like that. Um, I didn't want to put my mom's, you know, name or face on there either. Um, We're just really using my name and kind of gearing it towards that. But, um, you know, my dad obviously, he loved whiskey growing up. Like we just, as a family, found out later that it really doesn't metabolize well with us. (laughs) Loved it a little too much. Yeah, that's the thing. But but, didn't didn't he have his own whiskey at one point? Didn't he launch a whiskey? Well, after after he passed away, um, my stepmother did launch a, I think it's Moonshine and Vodka that okay. she launched um, in his name. She sure did, yes. Now, I just finished watching uh, George and Tammy on Showtime, and that was uh, based uh, a lot on your book, The Three of Us. So, um, how were you, were you pleased with the end result? Absolutely. You know, nothing's going to be 100% no matter who does it. Um, There's only a few little minor discrepancies. For instance, um, some of the things that may have happened might have been a little bit out of time sequence at times, one or two things. And then, like, of course, the band members changed throughout all of those decades. And they, they, for the sake of of six episodes, didn't change all the band members who were there at different times for stuff for the scenes. But other than that, to be honest, I mean, it really was very accurate and very truthful. And um, I was very impressed with how much effort and research they put in. We started, you know, almost, I guess, a decade ago. Um, In 2013, I got my first phone call about it. And so we went from there. And Jessica Chastain signed on even before they approached me. And I was so grateful to her for staying on board the entire time. And she actually really worked hard to make sure that they would keep this an honest story and not try to change things to kind of, you know, Hollywood things up just for ratings. So I was very grateful to everyone, Abe Sylvia, the writer, Andrew Lazar, who produced, and um, just so many people who really put a lot of extra time and effort for it. So we were very pleased with the end result. It certainly wasn't sugar-coated. No, no, no. And that's the thing. I know a lot of people said... You know, it was really hard to watch, and they thought it made my dad look bad, and I said, it doesn't. I think it looks like my dad is a normal person who fought demons, and it was very difficult for him, but he overcame that in the end. And that's the important thing, I think, for people to see is that, you know, as much as they may idolize or look up to some of their heroes or people they admire, we are all just human. We all make mistakes, and, you know, I think we all have to really search ourselves and fight hard for that better result in the end. And I'm just very proud that he was able to find his sobriety in the end. Uh, it is a happy ending. It didn't look uh, at the onset like it would have a happy ending, but uh, you had some quality years with him, didn't you? Yes, we really did. You know, we, we it was difficult in the beginning, of course, and I'm sure for you and anyone else who's seen the series, you know, I, I went from being, you know, feeling lonely, and then I realized later one day, I wish somebody had really... Uh, sat down and told me some things when it came to why he stayed away from me. But I, I found out and realized years later, especially after being a parent, he was trying to protect me from seeing him in the condition he was in so many times. And so um, the fact that we didn't get to see each other a lot when I was growing up turned out to be more of my dad really trying to protect me and not trying to avoid me. Um, and, you know, when you're a kid, you just don't understand those things. Um, so I really appreciate the fact that when my mom died, um, he was there for me when I needed him the absolute most. I was only 27 when mom passed. Mm. And so he really stepped up, you know, when nobody else went with us, me and my sisters, uh, my, my dad went with us to the funeral home to pick out flowers and a, and a casket. My dad went with us to do all of these things um, that were, are so difficult when someone you care about passes away. And, you know, he was not the kind of person who 
went to funerals as a regular, you know, thing because it was very difficult for him. It was very uncomfortable for him. Um, but he went to both of my moms, both the public and private funeral. And he really stepped up and was there for me and helped me through a horrible time. And we were able to mend our relationship at that point. And it just, it meant the entire world to me. That's really very touching. Now, your mom had her demons, too. Toward the end, had she gotten clean, or was she in trouble? Well, she, her problem, I mean, she didn't, it was so complicated to try to explain, but basically for my mom, my mom, I think she saw things so much differently than my dad, only because uh, in her day and age, which I get because I was a registered nurse for 17 years, but um, in her day and age, when you went to the doctor and you told them your problem, you just did what they said, and you really didn't ask a lot of questions, and you assumed that their treatment was always accurate and good and healthy because it's your doctor. Uh, my mom had real medical problems that caused her terrible pain, and it was a vicious circle. She'd have surgery and then she'd end up having scar tissue um, from that surgery and the scar tissue would cause blockages and problems with her being able to eat properly. So they'd have to do surgery again. So it was just a really vicious circle. It wasn't anything, you know, that they considered to be fatal, but it was certainly chronic and something she had to deal with for her entire life. But because of that, it was really hard for her um, pain management wise because she did have real pain. Uh, so unfortunately, she wasn't entirely clean when she passed away. But I know that, you know, in mom's heart, she was fighting more than just a demon. She was fighting, you know, physical agony. She was in a lot of pain. Uh, Georgette, I, I'm just really curious. You know, you started off. First off, I wanted to say I applaud you for being who you are today. You, you grew up oh, with you. famous parents and you've created a name and your own music all on on your own. You're your Thank own you. person. And I, I think you. that's great. Now, that means so much. Um, I, I'm curious, you, you started off at a young age uh, singing. I think you were three, ten years old. Yes, ma'am. At three years old, I started singing on stage, and I did my first record with my dad when I was ten. Now, yes, at three, I, you could be, yes, I, know, I know three-year-olds that can barely carry a tune, so I'm <laughs> I think it's probably being immersed in it, totally surrounded by that. So I'm sure that that's why maybe at that age I was able to do that. <laughs> Did your parents coach you from day one on uh, singing and carrying a tune? Or? I, you know, I don't know that it was really coaching, but they certainly encouraged it. I mean, I think they both had such a passion for music that um, any of us children who were interested in it, they always fostered that. They really wanted us to, to um, enjoy it as much as they did. And, you know, my mom actually, um, when she was born, my biological grandfather passed away when she was only eight months old. And he played multiple instruments and was a singer as well. And that was his wish for my grandmother to make sure that when he, cause he had a brain tumor, they knew he was going to pass away. And so they, he made my grandmother promise to give her music lessons because um, it was important to him. And, um, you know, for my mom, it was, I know she's like, I wish that he would have been able to see what she was able to do with what talent, you know, he, he gave her, you know, so it was pretty special to my mom. Oh, that's great. Now, what what made you to decide uh, to, to decide to go into nursing to become an RN? Is it from you your, know, your parents' medical issues? I know some people do that. Um, yes, ma'am. I think that was definitely part of it. I, I had a lot of experiences within about a two two year period of time that certainly pushed me into that direction. Um, I graduated high school when I was only sixteen, and um, that year 
before I graduated, I went with a group, um, with our church group, to Haiti, and we went on a mission trip for two weeks. And we two weeks, and they taught me how to give shots. We had like a medical triage and a whole thing set up where we provided care for people who couldn't get care, and that was my first initial. Um, you know, entrance into, you know, looking at things like that. And then my grandfather passed away when I was only 17 and he was really like my mm. second father and um, him being sick just suddenly out of nowhere. Um, it just kind of came on and happened so quickly. I certainly was very interested. So by the time I went through all of those things, um, you know, I really was, was in college at the time trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And, and I had several cousins who were in nursing and they said, why don't you just see if you like it? I'm like, well, I guess I could take a class. I just didn't know if it would be for me or not. And when I took the first class, it was really immediately a, this is really, I love this. I, I enjoy helping people. I enjoy the study of, of these different things. Biological sciences was really interesting to me. So I was really happy to do it. And I enjoyed being a nurse the whole 17 years I did it. I, I miss it a lot at times, um, taking care of people and, and doing what I did, but it, it was a wonderful job to have. I loved it. I bet a lot of your patients were amazed when they when you told them who your parents were. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you, it was kind of funny because I'm sure I'm sure some of the people I worked with they may have gotten annoyed at a time or two, probably because uh, you know when when you get busy and you're trying to run around and do your job, and then we would have people sometimes randomly showing up trying to find they knew I worked there and they were trying to find me, so they wouldn't say what they wanted until they they get me at the nurse's desk and then they'd hand me some CDs and songs to give oh to my, my dad or something. <laughs> so, you know, was kind of, it was always kind of funny because people would know my, um, my name badge, my first name is actually Tamala. So right. on my name badge, it says Tamala. So most people wouldn't figure it out. They would, you know, at some point, someone would say, oh, Tamala is actually Georgette. That's who you're looking for. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and I had a friend who, whose gynecologist assistant, I think was a member of the Cal Sills. And she kept her, her claim to fame was, oh, my, uh, a member of the council has helped deliver my baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I was like, the council's of everybody. <laughs> what, what, oh, my. What memories do you have of, of recording with your dad? Uh, I know you did your first duet with him when you were 10. Yes, I actually have some wonderful memories with that, with that because we did two songs together. And the first one when I was 10, of course, Daddy Come Home was written by Bobby Braddock. Yeah. And first of all, he's just such an incredible writer and a, a dream to be able to sing one of his songs because he's just that talented. But it was almost like he was in my brain. I mean, when you listen to the words of this song, I meant every single word that came out of my mouth because I just, at 10 years old, all I wanted was for my mom and dad to be back together. I just loved them both and, you know, wanted that to happen. So you listen to the end of that song where I say that last come home. I mean, it's, it's almost pitiful as an adult. Now when I hear it, I'm like, wow, I really, I would put it all into that last little phrase there, but um, he was very sweet and encouraging and, if you want to see something hilarious, go try to see us, us performing this together on the HBO special my dad did because I found out right before I went out on stage that it was being televised. And I, at the oh. time, I didn't know I had ever been on TV before. So I, I panicked. I looked at my mom. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I can do it. It's on TV. And mom you know, grabbed me by both my shoulders. She's like, honey. It's going to be just fine. Your daddy wants you to sing with him. That's what you're going to do. And that's all you need to think about. It's all going to be fine. Just go out there and sing with your dad. So... 
If you look, I have deer in the headlight look. I'm just staring at the camera in the most horrible panic you've ever seen on anybody's face. But my dad is being so sweet and holding my hand and trying to kiss my forehead. You could tell he's really going hard trying to help me relax and not be so nervous. But um, the second time we recorded, he did something so very sweet for me. I wrote a song called You and Me in Time because I I, I, I I wrote that for him as we re, you know, fix we fix our relationship, and it just I wanted to express to him how much that meant to me and how special that was for me. So a couple of my friends and I, Don Frimmer and Mark McGuinn, wrote the song together, and um, I was so happy that he liked it, and then he actually wanted to sing it with me. So we did this as a duet, and when he went in to record his part. Um, he had to go in separately for me because he had been on tour when I went in to go record. And so he was walking up the stairs at Keith Stegall's office and didn't realize the awning was broken. Broken, And so he had turned around to, to say something to Nancy and it didn't see it and it pushed him back. He broke his wrist, yeah. had to have surgery. Uh-huh. I mean, but he went in, he went in there to record before going to the hospital to have surgery just to put this one little line on the end for me that I love you, darling, at the end of that song. Uh-huh. He wanted to put on as a surprise for me. And so it just meant the world to me that he did that. It was awfully special. You were just the picture Yours was in my wallet I showed to all my friends But you 
and me and time finally got together I'm sorry that it took so long but better such a touching song it just makes the hair on my arm stand up i, I absolutely love it thank and, you i appreciate that that means a lot because that is very special to me and i want to talk about your skin album that's your latest release correct yes and actually it seems so crazy to think it's my latest and we put it out in 26 i think 2016 is when we finished it um so what we're actually planning on doing right now we're actually making a special edition we have a couple of new songs and i'm going to put some commentary before each of the songs and kind of give you all a little bit of of where things came from and how we you know did things with the project so i'm going to do a special edition of that project um later this year so i'm really thrrilled about that but the skin with the title track is also something I'm very proud of. It's a song that I wrote, and yes. um, so it means the world to me to have um, that album out. We were talking about Bobby Braddock earlier, and the song ended with Hello. Oh, my God, Georgette, it's gorgeous. Oh, thank you. And see, that's one reason I have to tell you the story. Um, you know, Buddy Cannon, who, of course, is a phenomenal producer, and it was such a wonderful friend of my dad's. And um, he called me a few years back, and I won't give the details of names, so nobody will get their feelings hurt, but he had called to see if I would be interested in uh, doing a four-song demo CD, which he would present to Sony at the time. Um, and see if they could get me a record deal. And he spoke to the head of the company at that time, who's not there now, but when he told him and he let him listen to some things that I'd done, he said, oh, I really like her voice. He said, but if you bring anything to country, I can't take it to country radio. 
<laughs> which sounds insane. Know, but, know. you know, of course, Buddy didn't want to produce something pop on me or something that wasn't me. But this is a song, End It With Hello, that he had been saving just for that because he thought it was amazing. So when I finally was able to make my own CD in 2016, I asked Bobby if, if I could sing the song because it hadn't been officially cut by anybody else yet. And he gave me permission to do so. I'm just thrilled because it, it made me happy. Number one, the song's beautiful. But number two, just to have a song written by Bobby Braddock mm. with so much that he has done for both my parents in the past. It just meant the world for me, you know, for me to be able to have that on there, too. By the way, Georgette, I know what you did last night. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Vince. Huh? <laughs> what a great song. And what, what was it like working with Vince? Oh, my gosh. First of all, Vince Gill is just probably one of the nicest, funniest, you know, best people on this planet. He just is. And um, my dad adored him. He adored my dad. And that just makes him even extra special in my eyes. Um, and we had no idea. We knew he was really busy. We didn't think that this was ever going to happen. I had a wish list on that last CD because I thought, I'm only going to get to make one album myself ever in my life. I can't really afford to make a lot of albums on my own. So I talked to my producer, who was Dean Miller, by the way, Roger Miller's son. Wow. And uh, who was very talented. He actually did one of the duets with me on the, on the CD. Right. And a couple of songs on there he wrote. So we were talking about it. And he said, if you could do anything you want to do, you know, what would you do? And I said, well, first of all, I'd have a duet with Merle Haggard. And then I'd have one with Vince Gill. <laughs> I was like, and then I would, you know, I would do all these other things. And so we actually had it set up where I was going to do the duet I did with him, Make a Little Love. I was going to do that with Merle Haggard. He had agreed to do it. But unfortunately, he became too ill right. to be able to record um, but just the thought that he said yes means everything. You know, it just was wonderful. But with Vince, he had, uh, Dean had sent a message to management. And, of course, he was so busy that they had told Dean that they really didn't think that he'd be able to do it. Because, unfortunately, he just had a really busy year. He was, you know, about to be an eagle. You know, he was already working right. with time jumpers. And he already had his own amazing career. So he just was super busy. So I kind of let that go in my head and didn't worry. And a, a couple of weeks later... Dean sent me uh, a recorded message and said, I sent you something you might want to say, but go ahead and listen to it. Then you can call me back. And I'm like, huh? So, okay. <laughs> so I listened to it. And it was it was amazing. Vince was calling Dean back and just saying, hey, yeah, I'd love to record with Georgette. You know, send me whatever. I'll work it in. It might be April before we can do it. This was like January or February. And it's so funny because I told Dean, I said, he has no idea. I'd, I'd wait five years. Yeah. <laughs> I could record it, you know, much less a few months. Like, I'm just thrilled. So he was great to, to help me out and do that. And I, I, of course, think he sounded amazing. He's probably my all other, Merle Haggard and Vince Gill, other than my parents, are probably my favorite all-time artists. So he, that was just a dream come true. He did not phone that one in, did he? Oh, no, he did not. I mean, he absolutely wow. put it all in it. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. and, he, and he did it just as a favor to be kind, you know, and I, I just, not many people do that. This, these days they just don't so yeah. it was really extra nice and special for him to do that and you have a duet with dale watson i understand he's quite the character oh my gosh yes and he's great <laughs> like i actually met dale for the first time back in 2012 my husband is a steel guitar player and he and i went to japan my husband was going to be playing in the house band um for everybody and it was me and rick Trevino and dale watson and he was just he was awesome i mean he's of course amazingly talented and i love the fact that he loves traditional music and he started the ameripolitan awards and right. so many other things to try to preserve um our music and i just think it's fantastic what he's done he's great 
I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I, I would like to talk uh, about your uh, tribute to your mom at the Opry. Uh, that was this past April, wasn't it? Yes. I mean, it just was so special to us because, um, you know, typically in the past, you know, um, it's been a long time since our mom passed away. And, you know, we, we didn't usually get invited for things like that. So the fact that the Opry recognized our family and asked us to participate in such a beautiful tribute to her on the day that she passed. It just was a very special moment. It meant so much to me, number one, for mom, but also as an artist to be invited to the Opry. It's just, it's it's a big thing. It, at least it is for me. People like me who still remember how special the Opry has always been for the roots of country music. Mm-hmm. It meant so much to be able to sing on that stage where so many other people, you know, have been and sang before me. So for night for mom and, and the Gatlins were there you know two of the Gatlin brothers actually sang back up and worked for mom before they joined Larry you know Steve and Rudy actually worked for mom before they joined Larry and became the Gatlin brothers and mom loved having them sing with her in the band because they were so talented so it just was really an extra special night having family friends and my husband and I had both played the Opry but never together so that night we got to play together he got to play with me with the Opry band so I just can't even say there's so many things that made it an extra special night. I was privileged to go to the Ryman several years ago, and I tell you, walking in, you feel this whole reverence towards everybody oh, who played there. It's, it's an entirely different feeling, and I'm yes. not really, I can't, I, I'm more of a, excuse me, more of a rock and roll person <laughs> than I am country, although I do love country, I do appreciate it, but going there to the Ryman, um, I just felt so humbled by, by the, the the spirits, the, everything of everybody who's ever played there. It was an incredible experience. I agree with you on that. I think if people, even if you don't like country music, honestly, it's still such a wonderful place to go visit. They have so many things there for you to see and hear about. The Country Music Hall of Fame, too, if anybody ever goes to Nashville, it's a, it's a must-see because there's so much there, and, and it's just amazing what they've done. They've actually made it look so beautiful. So I was Nashville there. has a lot of his, rich history there, for sure. I, I went to the to that, too. It was I, I love Nashville. Um, in fact, I thought if I could have made make a living there. I would have moved there many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that. It certainly has had a lot of, of um, newcomers in the last decade. It's it's grown so much. It's mm. not even the same Nashville it used to be anymore. Oh, I know there's a lot of uh, musicians from out here in L.A. that I know have moved to Nashville, and they're, they're not country either. They're they're rock and roll, and so I, I was really oh, yeah. surprised yeah. to see how many are actually moving out there. It's, it's rapidly becoming more of instead of a country capital, a, a total music capital. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's one reason why they probably very wisely in the beginning named it Music City rather than just like Country Music City or Country something. But they did. We have a huge... Um, you know, rock and R&B presence. There's lots of different kinds of music all throughout Nashville. And, of course, traditionally, country, you know, is known for being there. But you're right. It really has expanded and become, you know, much more um, diverse with music. I know my initials are carved on some someplace out there. <laughs> it, it was a, well, you got to do it. <laughs> yeah, it was a, I think it was Crazy Cat from Cali. It was, was what was carved on there. But, yeah, I have such great memories of going there. I'd love to go back there again sometime. It, it's just, it was just beautiful there. 
Yeah. And it really, uh, Tennessee, I think, you know, we live at, we moved from Tennessee to Alabama again here this last year, but I mean, Tennessee is just a beautiful state. It really is. It's, it's just, a, a, will always be a sentimental place for me and, and another home away from home. Oh, definitely. Do you have any tours planned or are you just going to keep producing these beautiful um, album or CDs that you're coming up with? Well, we actually have a little of both. We've started getting really busy this year, which is exciting for me because I get to promote both my mom and dad's music and my own. So it's really nice that we're we're going to have shows where we do more tribute things, but we also are going to have shows where I can do a bit more of my own thing. So it's been a really exciting year planning those things. Um, but we also have so many other projects. My mom had a cookbook out many years ago. And my husband and I do, or we do a lot of digital creative type things online, on my Facebook page, on Instagram and different places. So once a month, we do a recipe out of my mom's cookbook on my Facebook page and we go live and we do that. And it was so popular. So many people have really asked about it and enjoyed it. And unfortunately, because her cookbook's so much older, it's hard for people to find. So I think what we've decided to do, and we're just in the process of putting it together, um, we're going to do a Jones Lynette family cookbook you know my mom's cookbook was just really from my mom's family the majority of those recipes coming from mississippi and alabama but my dad being from texas and he had a lot of louisiana style um flair for the food that they grew up on so kind of a texas louisiana style cookbook mixed with mississippi and alabama so my um nephew who unfortunately passed away this last month was a chef for many many years and he has some incredibly delicious recipes so we're gonna include those on the jones family side for the cookbook and i am you know i'm excited to be able to dedicate the book to him because he was in our family certainly the best best cook of all of us he was trained to do so but we're excited about that along with many music projects yet to come well i sure hope if you go on tour that you come out this way out to uh Temecula Valley area because we'd sure love to see you out here in Southern California. I would love it. In fact, you know, it's my dream. I'm hoping, if not this year, maybe next year. I really want to get out there and do some stuff towards Bakersfield and kind of work my way yes. up and down, you know, all through California because it's beautiful out that way, and we'd really love to be able to bring our music out there for sure. We'd love to Hopefully see you. Hopefully I'll get a chance to meet you all. I would oh, love that. Would That'd love be great. That Georgetta, cannot thank you enough for your time, and I hope we can do it again someday. Absolutely, and thank you both for um, taking the time to call me and to invite me to be a part of it. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. We really enjoyed this. Thank you. Have a great day. What a sweet, sweet woman, and how lucky we were to uh, spend all that time with Georgette Jones, Cat. I know. We have a new friend. We do, and uh, we have to, uh, you have to create that uh, apple sin sassy creation, mustard. whatever. It's going to be a mustard. Yeah, mustard. And get it to her. And uh, she's got, I want to find out about the cookbook, if that's been published, because this was a few months ago we visited with her. It was in her, June, so. beginning of June. And she's out on tour now and doing sold-out shows. Which is in L.A., I believe, uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow or tonight? Oh, tonight. It's tonight, yeah. Oh, the, the 20th, yeah. The uh, George and uh, Tammy uh, special in Los Angeles. So. Yeah, wish we could have gone out to no see her. No kidding. I don't think anybody should be traveling in this weather. Uh, well, it's, yeah, it's just insane. Uh, well, this wraps up another week of Chords, Vines, and Dines, and we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. And once again, thank you to Sean Roberts. Inside the Spotlight. Thanks, Sean. And look forward to his the relaunch of his show, Your Daily Dose. Your da or weekly your dose. Your weekly dose. I don't know. I guess I need a daily dose of Sean. <laughs> a weekly dose. Nothing wrong with that. All right, Kat, see you next week. Have a good week.
This is Robert Rankin Walker here with Chords, Vines, and Dines. So excited to be talking to you guys. 